It's Legends territory. Scotty Braun and Eric Kratz in the same place. And cheers to our MLB Players Alumni Association family for setting up these conversations. And you can check out baseballalumni.com for more info on your favorite former players. Quick reminder, if you're watching on YouTube, the podcast version of this show is on Apple and Spotify. And now let's bring in the next legend, five-year big leaguer with the Mets and then a great run managing the Minnesota Twins, including a 2010 Manager of the Year award and not one, not two, not three, not four, five times finishing runner-up for Manager of the Year in the bigs. And then eventually a skipper with the Detroit Tigers. He was just inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame in 2022. And let's bring in Ron Garden higher right now on Legends Territory, chilling in the RV. Gardy, how yeah, are absolutely. you? <laughs> it's all good. Feeling good. Yeah. How's life? And are you watching a lot of baseball these days? Uh, yeah, I do. I Up in Minnesota, I go to the Saints games quite a bit. My son's managing those guys, so that's kind of fun. And uh, I watch baseball. I'll turn it on and click on it and check, see how everybody's doing. You cool with these rules, with these rule changes so far? I mean, the game gets done a little bit quicker. I, of course, they wait until after you're done managing. Yeah, I like it. I do like it. I think it's uh, it's going pretty good. I think we all know that uh, people get a little frustrated when the games are so long and everything. And us on the field, we didn't really worry about that. But but uh, I, I like it. I like the way the game's going. I think it's easier you know, on the umpires and the whole package. So I, I think it looks pretty good so far. So is your son doing a good job? Is he going to be a is he going to be a big league manager soon, or is he getting thrown out too many games like his old man? I just hope that he doesn't get fired, so I have to put him on my payroll. I, I just that's the only <laughs> work. <laughs> love that, love that. What is what is we're going to get right into it? What is your your playing career? How did that help your managing career? Well, I think, you know, the the greatest part for me was you played for a few different managers. You got to see how each one of them handled different situations and all those things. And I thought, uh, you know, being around Joe Torrey was a lot of fun for me, you know, as a player. Uh, and I had a lot of good conversations when he once he went into the offices. And uh, you know what? Uh, like I said, I was Davey Johnson was a great manager. He did it. His, he did it his way a little different. Um, so a lot of the managers, you know, had their own style and I got to see it all. So it kind of picked out what I like and what I thought the players wanted and kind of went from there. Did you want to be a manager when you were playing? Like you, you had a lot of injuries, like did those injuries make you become a manager or was it kind of one of those things where you were like, oh crap, like I didn't quite make the hall of fame as a player. So now I'm going to make it as a manager. No, not really. I, I just think that I suck just good enough as a player. <laughs> that I figured it was going to go quick and I was just happy to stay in the game. I managed in the minor leagues. I had a lot of fun managing in the minor leagues uh, uh, with the twins, double a and all those things. And I just wanted to stay in the game. I love the game of baseball. And uh, you know, everybody kept saying when I was a player, you swing so bad, you're going to end up coaching somewhere. So there you have it. <laughs> it worked out well. So yeah. give, give me your most fun player to manage in your career and most challenging or or difficult or annoying or all three if you want um well i think probably we had a lot of easy players michael kadire joe mauer morney uh you know that's just the name some of those guys they were really easy to manage they they went about their business very professionally and and uh, we had really good ball clubs with the twins uh, those players they were all 
fantastic. They worked their tails off and, you know, I, I enjoyed that part of it. And, uh, you know, some of the guys that drove you crazy, AJ, which I still love to death. I would love to talk to him on a day-to-day basis, just see how Henri he is still. So, uh, and we had a lot of players that, you know, tried to get underneath your skin, which that made it fun too. Do you feel like Charlie Manuel always said, well, you know, I, I'm only as good as my players. Do you feel like, do you feel like that's true? Or do you feel like you say that because of the environment that you're putting yourself in? Uh, I, I think you're the environment, uh, you know, kind of dictates a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's true. You got to have good players. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you have to have neat players that know how to play and that's up to the manager. Uh, I think if you can voice your opinion on what you like to see out of a ball club and try to make it work, uh, um, that's a good thing. And, and I, and you will, you guys all honestly know when you, you have veteran players, they can, they know what to do. They do their thing. So they, I always ask them to help me out with some of the younger players and make sure they're on the same page of us. And I was lucky. I had a lot of really good players that kind of handled themselves. Well, was there ever a time though, where you were like, man, that was me. I made the right call on that one, but I'm still just going to put it on the players and say that they did great or vice versa where you're like, you know what? It's really not me, but I'm going to take the hit here. Yeah, I mean, that's manager always has to stand up in front of the press after a ball game. And the players, you know, I always felt bad when the players would, or the press would always be around one of the players. And, you know, he had a little rough spot going on. And, and, you know, I always wanted to go in there and tell him, leave the guy alone. If you, if you only knew how hard this doggone game was, and, you know, then you should just understand a little bit better about how hard the game is. And I know the press has to do their job, which is very important, but, I always wanted to protect the players. That was part of my job. What was the least favorite part of your job as a manager? Uh, press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we thought you get tough questions in there. And, and, you know, lucky in Minnesota, we had the press was unbelievable. They were great, fantastic people. And they understood. And, you know, they kind of let you talk to them about, you know, what, you know, how it works here. And and I always liked that, that they understood I did it this way and I'd like you guys to jump on board. So uh, I was pretty lucky in Minnesota. Do you feel like you could have managed in a major media market where the press is asses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have. I, I wouldn't have had a problem doing that. I played in New York and, you know, I, I had people know more about my family tree than, than uh, in the stands than I did. And you know what? I wore it. I knew I sucked. But, you know, you just go live with it. Guardy, I think Twins fans are hoping that, you know, maybe this is the year. Next year is the year. Not only do they want to advance in the postseason, they want to beat the shit out of the Yankees. One time. One time. So how much did that come up? And I'm not a big like looking at I'm not a big historical guy where, you know, you talk to a player and you go, hey, this hasn't happened since whatever. And even this year, there was a moment where Byron Buxton had one of those Yankee stats brought up and you know, where they hadn't beaten him in a series, blah, 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 in this amount of time. And he was like and I, I genuinely believe it. He was like, oh, really? Oh, I, I didn't even realize that, you know, but I do think at some point we got to look at this and be like, what the hell is going on? Why can't the Twins one time just hand it to the Yanks, especially because they keep meeting up in the postseason? And that's what happened to us quite a bit. And you guys know, man, the Yankees, they don't screw around. They go and get the best players, and they're not afraid to spend money, and, and that's why they, they won. They 
they put together teams out there that if you screw up one time, they'll take advantage of it. We had that happen so many times in the playoffs. We were one play away or, or a call down the left field line that was fair that they called foul, which I'll never, ever forget that one. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's, they got good teams, and they, they're very professional. Uh, I was always amazed watching Jeter and, and those guys. Uh, my goodness gracious. They, they just played the game, and they were good, and they knew what they were doing. And, and uh, you know, we had young teams, but we competed with them. But it always come down at, in the playoffs, it seemed like, and they got us. Did you feel like their talent was better? Or did you feel like it was like, like you said, ah, that one, that one play down the left field line, like going through that moment, are you like, oh, this is the one bad thing. Like we can't let anything bad. Or did you guys feel like you were as talented, if not more? Oh, we always felt like we could play with them. Uh, you know, we played them during the, obviously during the, the, the season, we had to play them and we played well against them. But, you know, those, those really good players that, you know, like I said, you know, they, they had the guys, the zombies, the whole package that man, they, they just knew how to come up in big situations and not to put too much pressure on themselves and come up with the big hits, uh, great at bats. And, and that's something that we had to learn from. And we got better as it went along. We had a few guys that could do those things, but you know, we changed a little bit more than they did. Do you think that the game needs to balance things out more with like, say the heavyweights versus the teams that don't usually spend as much, or do you feel like it's in an okay place in terms of balance? I mean, of course this year you have plenty of ball clubs that were not expected to do much that are making quite a bit of noise. And I, I think baseball's fine. I, you know, start trying to put salary caps on all this and that and baseball's it's been good. It's been great. And it's still great. And it's always going to be great as long as we leave it alone and just let things happen as they might. Um, you know, ownership, you know, they're the ones that aren't afraid to give out the money, the bigger, you know, teams and the markets. And, and that's good for them. I, I feel players deserve that stuff. We play that many baseball games during the course of a summer. You know what? You should get paid. And that's uh, the greatest thing about the game of baseball. There's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, the Twins have started paying a little bit more. They got a good ball club this year. I like watching them. So, you know what? That's that's part of the game, and you just got to deal with it. You can't cry about it and like AJ did. You just go about your business. <laughs> I had to throw love picking him when he's down. Oh, I love – I love it. And he's Neat. not here. He's not here, but it's okay. We'll send him all. So don't feel like you're talking behind his back. We'll send him all. <laughs> he'll this be stuff. listening to this. Yes. He'll be. He'll definitely be listening while he's in a rain delay at his son's tournament. Oh, geez. I love. Do that you guy. feel? Do you feel like this? Do you feel like baseball is better than it's ever been? Because my, I'm gonna give you my opinion. Is guys are throwing harder. Guys are hitting the ball farther. Running just as fast. But do you feel like baseball is better than it has been in your entire career, playing or managing? Well, you know, I'm kind of the old school guy. So uh, before all analytics came in and all this stuff, uh, you know, that kind of that's kind of why I got out of the game, because the game was starting to pass me by a little bit. And uh, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want uh, uh, people that probably deserve to be in that situation just because I've been there a while. So. I think, but analytics and all that stuff has changed the game a little bit, but you know what? It's still played on the field. It will never, ever not be played on the field. And that's still the greatest part. You got to put together a team and you, you got to get them all on the same page. And I don't think that's ever going to change. Did people try and tell you how to make your lineup or make certain decisions? I mean, there's a difference between, Hey, let's talk things out. Let me provide information versus, Hey, this is really what you know, we're going to 
push across the table for you to do? Because there's definitely been complaints over the past, what, decade plus from managers, especially managers that had been in the game for a while and felt like they didn't need the help, you know, or they didn't need the push. Give me the info. Let me make my own decisions. And I think that's that's pretty much what I, I had going on with a with a, whoever it would be, the press or other, you know, some of my coaches. I, I always wanted their input. That was that's part of it. You can't, you know, as a manager, you better use all the people in that clubhouse. Players too. Talk to them on what we can do better. And the same thing with my coaching staff. I wanted them. If they think that I should have done something, then please come in and tell me. We'll try to make it better. And, you know, I had a heck of a coaching staff. And we had we had good players. We were lucky. We had good players. Uh, you know, I just wish we could have won a few more playoff games and, and actually kicked the Yankees' butt. But that ain't easy either. <laughs> Hey, what about the Tigers right now? So you said you're watching some Twins, you're enjoying it. They have a great pitching staff. Their run prevention's been good. I know the Twins have work to do on offense to pick things up, and they've had some injuries. On the Tigers' front, I mean, you went through some tough times there during a rebuild. Unfortunately, it's still going on. I mean, I remember visiting you multiple times in spring training where you're like, hey, listen, like this team is not yet built to win. I got to be part of this process. And and you filled a major void there that was needed for players that are coming up to the show and are not used to losing and have to be able to take that while the team is reloading and they had a really great run. So now you would figure they're at a point that they would be successful and it's just still not there yet. I just think, you know, and, and I do pay attention to them. I actually love my time in Detroit. Uh, Al Avila was a general manager and you just – you don't get any, he's just an old baseball guy. We would sit down and talk about things. He came in my office and yelled at me more than once. And I loved every minute of it. When he'd walk out, he'd get a little flare going on. And, and I always thought those things were great. And you know what, with Detroit, we had young players, but we had some veterans too. And as a manager, when you get to manage guys like Victor Martinez, uh, Cabrera, all those guys, that's it, it, pretty good feeling when you're standing on the field with guys that are pretty much Hall of Famers and, and you get to watch them. And, yeah, we didn't win all the games we wanted to Detroit. And I think what's gone on with them right now is they had – we had pitchers coming up that were, my goodness gracious, young stars. And they got hurt, which happens in the game too. So I think once they rebound from that and get those young pitchers again, I think they'll be competing really well. Do you think Avila got a raw deal? I mean, I know you know we actually have spoken to him on, on our other show, Foul Territory, and – he kind of went over his time there and brought up a lot of similar points that you're making right now. I mean, there's a lot of pitching that's just not on the field at the moment that has talent. He also said at the same time, there were some trades that have been made that have not gone Detroit's way. Like, of course, Austin Meadows dealing with what he's got off the field. But the other side of that trade is Isak Paredes is maybe an all-star this year. Yeah, and I, I, I had him and... And I remember busting his tail because he missed the bus in spring training. And we all knew the kid could hit. I mean, the guy could flat out hit. And we all knew that going in. But he needed to be straightened up a little bit and, you know, learn to learn our language a little bit better and understand a little bit better. But we all knew there was going to be a time when this guy got it and he was going to hit. And he's doing it now. And I've watched him, you know, over there where he's at now. And and uh, we knew that. I mean, we had players that we said if they if they stay with the program, they're going to be good. And I thought Detroit, we had a lot of talent. And hopefully they'll bounce back and, and get going again. But, you know, they got a great manager. That guy knows what he's doing. And if they can get them healthy, they'll be fine. 
we, we've got word from your guy, Pierzynski. So he said two questions. Number one, he said, why are you not responding to my texts? And two, why did you have his chair in your office? Why did I have what? He said, why? Oh, his own chair. Oh, oh, his yeah. Own chair. Yeah, we had, that was that was a bar stool. I had to put him in my office every time he came in there. You know, he AJ was game on. You guys know that. He's a tough player out there and and uh, he wasn't afraid to say what he wanted to and him and I we had we had our battles and he would come in and want to talk to me and I'm like, "AJ, I don't have time. Just go out and please get a hit. That's all you need to do." But he you know what? Great, game on. You guys know him. Game on. He's not afraid to say what he feels. Um, yeah, he irritates the living fire out of you, but I loved him dearly and I still do. And, uh, he was a good player for us. What's your Don't favorite? Don't tell him I said that. I hope he's not listening. He's, he's, he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen. He just talks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he, uh, what, what is your favorite AJ Brzezinski story? Because he was, he was a rookie coming up and you had to like, you had to deal with everything that was him as a young guy. Oof. Yeah. You know what? We had to calm him down. You know, the old strikeout ball goes back to the backstop he's carrying his bat to first base like he's going to hit the first baseman uh with it you know that type of stuff so we had to calm him down and tell him this is big league baseball aj you know the, the normal aj person he is you know come in my office and want to know why he's batting like eighth in the lineup or seventh in the lineup and i always told him things like well we, we need to make sure you get your gear off so you're ready to hit aj will always step out and say what he's feeling which that's what you want from players. Uh, you know what? And he's not afraid to talk to anybody or say anything. He would fight his own teammates if he had to. Then you got, then you brought in Joe Maurer, who doesn't have that fire out. How, how is that comparison? Both really good players, both leaders, both same position. How is that comparison and how do you deal with both of those? Well, you know, AJ, he off he required a little bit more attention than Joe Maurer would. Joe just, you know, went about his business. But AJ was needed. At the time we had a young team, the Tory Hunters and all those guys, Jock Jones. We had a young team and uh AJ was a huge part of it. I mean, guys, you know, yelled at him a lot, but he wanted to win, probably as much as any player I had. And he was game on and he, he got it done. He he worked hard the whole package. And believe me, he's in the clubhouse. He stirred it up, which I liked. I didn't have to do any of that. And uh, he meant a lot to our baseball team. And he was a fighter, like you guys know. You managed another big personality, although he probably blossomed a lot more with his personality after you managed him based on the success that he had on the field later on. So you managed a young David Ortiz in 2002. Now, I heard that you were begging the organization, please do not let this guy go. And then of course they let him go and he becomes a legend. So what was that like? And is that story true? Well, I mean, you know, David was one of those guys that would light up the tunnel when, when you come walking out, you know, he would say thing. I can, I, I can say, Hey, my bitches, how we doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and we would you go can. from there. And, and that was, that was David. He just came to play and, you know what? Uh, we loved him. I mean, I don't know what would have happened with our baseball team without that guy in that in that dugout at that time. Because when he came walking in, I mean, he really got it done as far as running the ballpark and running the clubhouse. But 
we we loved him and, and you know what it was sad to let him go uh, we i mean it's all you know money about the twins and stuff like that but we end up letting him go and he went on to just kill it somewhere else which was you know heartbreaking for all of us because we knew how much he meant for our baseball team but you know what that's baseball and uh you know what like class act i love that guy what, what happened what did people say once you saw what he was doing with a different organization well i mean you know you try to just you wish him good luck i mean as as always i do with every player whether they you know get in a contract and leave the whole package i'm i'm not mad at them or anything like that i'm happy for them you know it's all about getting the you know the best job the best contract and everything and and uh, those guys all did that. They went out and, you know, got good contracts. David eventually did and, uh, you know, made a ton of money in it and good for him. Now, was there somebody else that you, you were the one that was like fighting for to keep him? Was there somebody else where you're like, oh, I fought for this guy? Or was there somebody I fought for and, ah, shoot, like I missed it. Like, you know, what were other guys that you fought? Well, there was, you know, we we had a, a bunch of those guys that, you know, we started out with my first year as a manager, and uh, we had a group. Those guys all grew up together, from Doug Mankiewicz to, you know, AJ, the whole package, Louis Rivas, Christian Guzman, Koski at third base. We had a group. Uh, Torrey Hunter was in center. I mean, you think about all that team, and they eventually they all moved on. And, and uh, I was happy for them. I'm always happy for these guys to get their contracts and everything, but once that starts, you know where your ball club's going to end up being. We're going to be in a little bit of a rebuild, and we had to do that in Minnesota. You know, we had some restraints, you know, you know, money-wise, and and uh, that kind of, you know, always took you back. But uh, our players kept playing, and we just had to keep moving forward. Not saying you regret managing in Minnesota, but did you ever envision, like, being in a big market? Like, wow, what would it be like to be able to keep – Corey Koski to be able to keep Tory Hunter to be able to keep all these guys for their entire career. Well, that's that's part of it, you know, being in a you know a, a smaller market baseball team. But I will tell you this: I I I love Minnesota. I, my family, my wife actually went to high school up there, um, and uh, you know what? So we we had a wonderful time in Minnesota with a team. We won a lot of baseball games. We had a lot of great players, and the good thing, uh, I guess, being a manager is finally seeing, you know, players are, are actually wanted by other teams and we end up making trades or they become a free agent and go make a ton of money and, you know, finish off a great career that you root for those things as a manager. And I, and I did, and I hated seeing them come back and kill us, but you know what, that's, that's part of the game. And as a manager, you did your job, you got them, you got them in the ball games and they did your, their job. So you can't feel bad about it. You, you just have to keep moving. I'm going to give you some stats, not specific numbers, but I'll just let you know that Doug Mankiewicz was on this show and his episode had more downloads than any other ball player that we've had on this show. You're smiling. You're probably not surprised. Was he always like that where he completely spoke his mind no matter what the consequences would be? I screamed at him more than I would my own kids. <laughs> he would absolutely he did it on purpose though he you know what there was there was something behind him he didn't just come out and just blare stuff out he thought about it and he would come up and even in the dugout when something wasn't going right you know he 
he'd, he'd complain. I had him batting third in our lineup and everybody thought I was nuts. Uh, and that's because he could, he, he knew what he was doing. He could play first base, he could hit. And, you know, you just had to put up with the talking, which I did. I loved him. You know, he was a good player, solid at first base. But he drove us crazy. But that's part of the game, too, as a manager. Do you think that he should be involved in the game? Because, you know, he was. And, like, for example, in Minnesota, I mean, you talk to most of the players. They loved him. It was fun to talk to. Like you said, he was thoughtful. He was friends with the guys, but also could have the separation of managing them, which is a lot of the key ingredients you need as a skipper. And it sounded like, if anything, he was butting heads more with organizations, right? Like with the Twins and who the Tigers, I think he was part of that org too. And it sounded like it, it had more to do with front office people than it had to do with players. I, I think it was all part of it. He wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, as far as buttonhead, yeah, I we always told him, you know, Dougie, would you, instead of going to the newspaper and, and venting, you know, about, you know, the men in the front office and all those things, can you just go talk to them? Walk up the stairs face to face and go talk to them. They, I do it all the time. They tell me to go back to my office. And, and that's one thing that he didn't like to do. He liked to talk to the press. So, yeah, he got himself in some hot water. But you know what? That's his personality. Talk to me about the piranhas. Ozzy oh, Gian talking about the piranhas. What what is this? What is that in capsule? Like as you as a manager, your players. Well, we 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 had to play a certain brand of game because we you know we had speed. We run all over the place and drove people crazy. We bunted. We hit and run. We did all kinds of stuff. Uh, we only had you know a couple of guys, power guys like David and guys like that. But you know I think. That's what Ozzy said, because we had little bitty guys slapping the ball all over the place, stealing bases uh, and, and running all over. And it drove Ozzy crazy. He had a big bunch of, you know, guys that could hit home runs over there in Chicago. And we had to do it our way. And Ozzy, he nicknamed him. And we had big signs of the piranhas and O package. And, you know, I mean, you, you think about it, Nick Punto, guys like that. How many teams could Nicky really, really play for and get a chance to play every day like he did? You know, uh, and we did he because he fit in with all of our guys and he drove people crazy. And we love that. And you guys kind of you got of made that your mantra, your mentality. And it's what helped you guys win. You got Gogo up there when he was when he was young, sliding all over the place. Do you think a team now could adopt this and be better than they are right now? If you look around the league. I, I, I absolutely do. You, you, if you get the right people and put them together and, and have a manager that, you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to drive people crazy. Not, a, I mean, you know, analytics has changed a little bit. We don't really want to get people thrown out stealing and all stuff like that. And it's changed. And I don't think that's everybody in the analytics departments. I just think that some teams are doing it their way and it might be all fine for them, but the way we did it was out there. We wanted to push the envelope and, make the other teams nervous because we had pitchers, you know, when we get a guy in first base, they knew at one time or another, we were going to run or hit and run or do something. And, and that's how we had to play to win. And uh, I don't, you know, I think there's some teams that still do that right now. I, I watch them and they play the game and uh, you know, it's different. So it's just part of it and you just got to live with it. And we did, but we loved it. We had a ball. And do you think it is, you said, you said if a manager wants to do that, if a manager, 
Do you think there are many managers that are allowed to coach the game? Or do you think it has to be something that like, okay, like the Diamondbacks are kind of like that right now. They fly all around the field. That has to be a front office decision that allows the manager to do it. Or do you think it's something that you could have an alpha manager come in and be like, no, I really think with this, you know, restricted payroll, we can do this kind of thing to be able to get more wins. Yeah. Tori Lovello is a, you know, I was with him over in Arizona when the years, a couple of years I was out there with him. And you know what? He, he's a very intelligent baseball guy. He's got a great head on his shoulders. And you know what? He can, and he's a guy that I would say is not afraid to do it with what he has, uh, if that's going to work. And, and Tori does a super job. I've always loved that guy. And like I said, I, I love my time spent with Arizona and, uh, uh you know, he's kind of like that. He, he's not afraid to run around the bases and, Honestly, it's basically it's what you have. If you don't have home run hitters, you better figure out something else. And we did that. We did that in, in Minnesota quite a few times. And find a way to win, and you guys won a lot. Now, four, four of your managers that you had, you already mentioned Joe, and you already mentioned Dave. You played for George Van Berger, and you also played for Frank Howard. Yeah. Now you have to choose. You have to choose. Who is your favorite? My favorite manager? Yeah. Oh, boy. I, I, I was just a, a futility player, man. You're asking a guy to, to rate my managers? I was just happy to be there. Every one of them I loved to death because I, I, I really couldn't hit a lick. And they'd keep me in the big leagues, which I love. But Davey Johnson, I'll say Davey Johnson, he, I, he managed me in AAA. And then he basically brought me up to the big leagues when he got the Mets manager's job. And this is no knock on any of the other managers. I had Joe Torrey, which was the calmest guy I've ever been around, you know, and he was my first big league manager. But, you know, Davey Johnson, he he was kind of one of those analytics guys, too, a very intelligent guy, great with numbers. And and I had a lot of fun playing with him. You could say Wally Backman and I, we would talk trash about him right in front of him, and he'd just laugh. And we loved every minute of it because he was kind of one of us. And so which one are you most like as a manager? I just tried to do it my way. You know, I'm a little hot-headed. Uh, I wasn't afraid to go out and get thrown out of ball games. And I I think, you know, I took a little bit from a bunch of those guys. Uh, Joe Torrey was the calm guy that set people down, come into my office, that type of stuff. Um, uh, George Bamberger, he was hilarious, one of the funniest guys ever, put bubble gum on his hat, and I'd always ask him why. Uh, so, you know, we, I had a lot of different guys managing me and, and, and that was the great thing about it. I learned from them all and I took a little bit and kind of decided to make it myself. You know, my dad was military. So, you know, I was, I grew up in a military family and it was all about, you know, staying within, you know, the, what you can do and what you can't do. And, uh, I think I was helped along by a lot of really good baseball people. And, uh, you know, I'll take them all and say, Davey Johnson was he really helped me a lot. Uh, Joe Torrey, the calmest guy ever. So you just go on and on, and they're good people. Do you know how many career ejections you were oh, a part of? Yeah, my wife tells me all the time. She had to write the <laughs> check. <laughs> I think it was 70-something. I got 84 here, so close. Uh, you might be counting minor leaguer ones. <laughs> <laughs> I might, which probably the stories are just as good. So... Do you have one that sticks out, one favorite? I, I know for many fans, especially when they're at the game 
And there's a real good back and forth going on with manager and ump, especially as they're getting booted from the game. You're dying to have mics up to just hear a little piece of that conversation and know, is it super intense? Is it some BS and the manager's just trying to get thrown out? So take us inside some of those conversations. Oh, you know what? I, and, and this is, this is one thing that I always told myself I needed to do. I, I, as a manager, I'm not going to get any hits to win a game. I'm not going to throw any strikes. All I know is when a player started getting in it out there, my job was to defend the players and get them out of there so that they would stay in the game. So I would always, and I did it very well, turn the umpires ire on me and they'd forget all about the player. And that's kind of what I wanted. So I had coaches that could run the game and if they wanted something, they needed something, they'd come up and ask me, what do you want to do? But I had a great coaching staff. I trusted them. So getting thrown out, there's a lot of times I got thrown out that I'm like, I should be in the clubhouse because I suck right now. So go run it. So there you have it. <laughs> Do you have any specific run-ins that you remember that were like super memorable, whether it's, you know, with a, a certain ump that you had a fun relationship with or a heated relationship with just because you guys had a lot of back and forth? I had, you know what? I, I had some umpires that we got after it, you know, Hunter Winnelstadt and I early in my career, we, we argued a bunch and he threw me out a bunch, but we talked it over more than once. You know what? At one point he came, God bless his soul. He came walking in the dugout. I think it was in Minnesota and he had a picture of him throwing me out of a game and he took it out of his umpire shirt and showed it to me in the dugout with my team as he was walking out to umpire. Now that one killed me. I absolutely thought that was the best. He brought a prop. He brought a prop. Oh. He, he printed it out. Did you sign it for him? Of him throwing me out and showed it to me in the dugout as they were walking out to do the lineup cards. I didn't even go out with a lineup card after that. I was laughing. I sent one of my coaches out because he did that. That was funny. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Did you see what Dave Martinez did this season recently where he didn't like the uh... – what is it? The interference at first? Yeah, non-interference. Non the no. non-interference call. And, and he had the the printout that he was showing the press. He had a little rant. And then we were all, fingers crossed, please bring that out pregame tomorrow. And he didn't do it as a prop. Well, that's too bad. He should have done it. That would He probably got fined, but he should have done it. <laughs> it would have been made for a quicker game for him, too. I don't think he would have made it to the first pitch. No, <laughs> Absolutely. I got pitched in the first inning a few times. I mean, all related from the day before, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes you get in those situations, all you want to do is talk to them. And they kind of like blow you off with the hands. Nothing makes you madder than that because then you got to spend it. You're thinking about it all night long. Then you get to the park and it's a day game and you go out to home plate. And next thing you know, you start in again and you get thrown out again. So you don't go, you don't go into that thinking – I'm probably going to get thrown out or are you sitting there going, no, there's no way. I just, I just want to explain myself and then just, we'll see. No, nah, I wanted to get thrown out. I, yeah. I <laughs> mostly on, it was a day game, you know, we had, and I got thrown out the night before I'm, I'm going right back out there because a lot of guys say, I'm not going to talk to them. I took the lineup card out and then one thing led to another and I'd be gone again. So, you know what? My wife, you know, she turned around, didn't have to buy tickets, and would drive back home many a times uh, that she got, I got thrown out before she even got to the game. So that's the part I didn't like. 
For sure. That so you had to you had to take the you had to take the ride home with her, and she was pissed. But does she ever get to eject you now that you're done? Does she ever be like, Ron, to the RV, to the RV? <laughs> no. Do you you see this finger? When I get that finger, that's enough right there. Just don't say another word, because when she gives me the finger and holds it up, that's it. Stop. Tough woman. That's like you throw at him, you get the warning. Next one, you're out. That's it. No and doubt. And you never take it. And you never I, take it. You never, you never get that far. Well, you guys know that I married a shocker, right? A Wichita State shocker. I thought, how can you not marry a, a, a girl that goes to Wichita State and she's a shocker, right? That might have been the only way I could find a girl that thought I was good looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's well, true yeah. love. That is true yeah. love. She she picked a winner though. I'll, I'll hand it to you, Guardy. Great great yeah. conversation with you. Great to reminisce a little bit and to see you as well. So enjoy the fam time and um and hopefully some some twins winning baseball for you. Maybe oh, even in the postseason against those Yanks. That'd be good. They're they they got a nice ball club. There's mm-hmm. you know everybody goes through a little bit of this and that, but they're playing pretty good right now. Agreed. Yeah, they're in control. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Make sure you tell AJ I said hello, and I do mean it. Hello, AJ, because I miss him. I need somebody to irritate me, and he does a good job of that. (laughs) We'll bring you back sometime just so you can uh, pick on AJ for an hour, all right? Sounds great. All right, guys. Appreciate (laughs) it. Props to the MLB Players Alumni Association for making this all happen with us behind the scenes. And you can head to baseballalumni.com for much more information on your favorite former players and catch new episodes of this show on Foul Territory's YouTube channel every single week or wherever you get your podcasts. For Kratz, I'm Braun. We'll see you next time on Legends Territory.